0: Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. And let's pray again together. Great and glorious God, we praise you for who you are. we praise you that we can know you through Jesus Christ as he is revealed to us in your word through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we also know that we are easily distracted, that we are easily drawn into thinking about other things and doing other things and forgetting to have the right priority of Fellowshipping with you, of learning from you in your word and talking to you in prayer. Lord, we pray that you would help us to see Jesus. Lord, to see Jesus and the glories of the gospel. That we might, each of us, fall more deeply and committedly in love with Him. And that Christ would be our focus. That Christ would be our treasure. For our good. For the building of your church. And for the glory of your name. If you know football, you know the name Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson has had an illustrious career as a player, as a college coach, as an NFL coach and now as a broadcaster. And Jimmy Johnson has been described as one of the hardest working coaches in all of football. In 1989, he replaced the legend Tom Landry as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Soon after becoming the head coach of Dallas, he divorced his wife. And then in verses 41 and 42 we see Jesus' direction. Disciples must prioritize Jesus above all else, especially above worldly concerns, even above power outages. (laughs) Oliver Wendell Holmes once said, some people are so heavenly minded that they are of no earthly good. Now people say this so often they almost think it's like it's something in the Bible. But the Bible actually teaches the opposite. It's the other way around. It's only those who are the most heavenly minded that are the most earthly good. It's only those who are the most heavenly minded who are the most earthly good. It is only those who are devoted to God Who enjoy a better life now and the best life in the life to come. It is only those who deliberately choose to spend their lives in fellowship with God and attendance to His word that enjoy the fullness of blessing. Like King David says in Psalm 16 that Matthias read for us earlier, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup, verse 5. David declares in verse 1, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you and in verse 11 in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore so first of all in verses 38 and 39 let's look at Mary's dedication Mary's dedication Luke reminds us in verse 38 that Jesus and the disciples are traveling That they're on their way. They're on their way to Jerusalem, and Jesus has entered a village. Remember that that Jesus had sent the 72 out ahead of him to go into the villages uh, around the countryside in order to be able to prepare the way for him and his ministry. And so, apparently, this is one of those villages. Now, Luke doesn't tell us the name of the village, but The women that he meets there tells us the location. He meets Martha and goes into her house. As you see, the name Martha is appropriate for this this woman. Uh, It's of Aramaic origin. It means mistress, is in the female head of a household. And Martha is probably the older sister. At Martha's house, Jesus meets her sister Mary. These two women, these are the Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, who Jesus will raise from the dead in John chapter 11. And we find out from John chapter 11 that Martha and Mary and Lazarus live in Bethany. Bethany, which is on the outskirts of Jerusalem. It's about 15 stadia, or less than three kilometers away from Jerusalem. Luke 11 18. So very close to Jerusalem. Well, Luke also doesn't tell us when this event took place. It's possible that it's it's actually later on in Jesus' ministry because of his proximity proximity to Jerusalem. We know that Jesus does not go into Jerusalem on this particular journey until later on, until, until until chapter 19. In fact, in chapter 17, we'll see that that at that point, Jesus is still very far away from Jerusalem, so it's possible that, that, this has, that Luke, as, as the one who was, has put together this, this account, this orderly account, has put this here and organized it uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in a topical way, rather than geographically like he usually does. Uh, when we read in John, in John chapter eleven, when Jesus does come to Bethany, that Jesus has become quite close to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. So it's it's possible that that Jesus did come close to Jerusalem at that time, but that he did not just he did not yet enter Jerusalem for the the purposes of what he had come to do, for the purpose of his crucifixion. That's that's actually what I tend to think here. We just can't know for certain. So Luke tells us that in this village, Jesus meets a woman named Martha. This is our first introduction to Martha. She welcomes him into her house. She is showing hospitality to Jesus. In accordance with what Jesus had said in the 72 you should look for them when they enter a village, that, that if they, they welcome you to the home and, and you are to eat what they put before you. And so she is following in, in that example of, of accepting the ministry of Jesus. Now in verse 39, we meet Martha's sister Mary. Mary sat at the Lord's feet and listened to His teaching. So we see Mary here is in the posture of a disciple sitting at the rabbi's feet. Now in Israel, in the first century, it was was not common, in fact it was was unknown at any point to have a woman sitting at a rabbi's feet, It it just didn't happen. In that culture, apart from family members or immoral women, women would rarely have contact with men at all. Mary here is not being a warrior. quite the opposite. Mary's is being presented here as a pious woman. She's focusing with single-minded dedication on the Lord Jesus and His teachings. Mary is, is making the best use of a moment with Jesus right there in the home. What an incredible privilege to have Jesus right there to receive direct teaching from Jesus. As Jesus had just taught in, in uh, Luke 10, 24, that the many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and to hear what you hear and did not hear it or see it. Now, of course, Mary would not have understood how we now understand after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection and ascension and and after having the whole canon of scripture before us. But nonetheless, Mary had an opportunity to listen to the most faithful, the most wise, the most, most truthful teacher who has ever walked the planet. Mary had an opportunity to hear the Word of God from the Word of God. Now, of course, you and I can't sit at Jesus' feet and listen to His teaching like Mary did, but we can listen to Jesus in His Word. God speaks to us in His Word. Let's speak back to God in prayer. we are looking at, at prayer from Luke 11, verses 1-4 to 4 next week, Lord we'll willing. But the focus here in in this passage is on fellowship with Jesus through hearing His Word. As Don Whitney explains in his book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, he says no spiritual discipline is more important than the intake of the Word of God. He says nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of milk and meat of Scripture. In the Bible, God tells us about Himself, and especially about Jesus Christ, the Incarnation of God. The Bible unfolds the law of God to us, and shows us how we have broken it. There we learn that Christ died as a sinless, willing substitute for breakers of God's law. And how we must repent and believe in Him in order to be right with God. In the Bible we learn the ways and the will of the Lord. We find in Scripture how to live in a way that is pleasing to God as well as the best and most fulfilling for ourselves. If we would know God and be godly, we must know the word of God intimately. End of quote. Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and and listening to him reminds me of of the voice of God the Father from the Mount of, of Transfiguration, speaking at the cloud and saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him, Luke 9, 35. Mary sat and listened. That was Mary's priority. Dedication to Jesus and to His teaching was Mary's priority. Mary just sat and listened. This provides a good counter to those who would conclude from the previous parable that we can earn favor from God by working. Sitting and listening is enough. And that takes us back to Mark. So now we see in this distraction in verse 40. away from Jesus by seeking to serve Jesus. Did you catch that? Martha is distracted from Jesus by seeking to serve Jesus. Listen carefully. Martha is not doing, any, doing the wrong thing by seeking to provide a meal for Jesus. She is busily preparing a meal for Jesus and the other guests all by herself. Mary, on the other hand, is, as we've seen, is doing nothing but sitting and listening. And that's where the problem starts. You can just see this happening when when Mary and Martha were little girls. Martha, the older sister, and often the responsible one, complains that that Mary isn't helping with the chores. Kids complain like this all the time. My kids complain like this. Why doesn't she have to help? Now, most kids don't want to help because they they want to play or or raise around or, or read books. They don't have anywhere close to the same motivation or priorities as Mary. Or as This takes me to a side note. If your reason for not serving others is because you are too busy serving yourself, you are not Mary or a Mary. You are like Priest and the Levite from the previous passage who are unwilling to help an injured traveler. You are not loving your neighbor. If you're not serving your brothers and sisters, if you're not serving in the church, if you're content to let them serve you. If that's you, you have the wrong priorities. If you aren't serving in a church, you need to ask yourself why not, and then you need to get served. not the main point of this passage. The main point of this passage is not to let your serving be a distraction. Quite often in Luke and throughout Scripture, serving is presented in a positive light, and serving is a positive thing. It's a necessary thing. We are are to be hospitable. Romans 12, 12, 13 says, seek to show hospitality. Now, obviously, we can't directly provide food for Jesus like Martha did, but Jesus does teach in Matthew 25, 35, 36, as, As he's separating the sheep and the goats, he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. These things are vitally important. But serving must not, must never take the place of simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to Jesus. Martha's problem wasn't her service. Martha's problem was that her service caused her to be distracted. Hospitality, again, is important, but hospitality doesn't just mean receiving someone into your home and providing them with a meal. Hospitality means spending time in fellowship with her motivation in the joy of serving, because, because serving had become an end unto itself. So Martha got wound up about it. As one commentator said, the problem isn't with hustling and bustling, but with fretting and fussing. She is distracted. Her priorities are out of whack. Now Jesus is going to flash out the diagnosis in Yay! verse 41, that even in striving to serve Jesus. Martha is anxious and troubled. She is focusing on the things of this world. Martha's tipped. So she goes to the Lord and says, Lord, do you not care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now think about what Martha's actually doing here. In her anger, she's actually interrupting Lord's teaching. Now, she's critical of her sister's failure to help. She's in, that, in so doing, she's judging another man's servant. Romans 4 14 4 it says, Who are you to pass search, pass judgment on the servant of another? Now, that context is different, but the problem is the same. But Martha doesn't stop there. Martha's also critical of Jesus. Martha's tend to be critical of everyone, even God. She calls Jesus Lord, but then she accuses him of not caring. And then she tells Jesus what to do. Essentially saying, if you'd care, you'd tell Mary to help me. Now Martha here is not really acting as though Jesus is her Lord. Isn't it ironic that, that Martha calls Jesus Lord, but it is Mary who reveals that Jesus is her Lord by sitting and listening at his feet. Martha judges Mary, but it is Mary who's actually doing the right thing. Martha is behaving like the older brother in the prodigal, and the parable of the prodigal son, but I see in Luke 15, complaining that his father is not behaving justly in the party for the returned younger brother. Martha is self-focused. She says, my sister has left me. Tell her to help me. Sometimes the work associated with ministry supersedes the work of ministry. Listen to that. Sometimes the work associated with ministry supersedes the work of ministry. Let me explain. Some people are so busy doing work around the church that they don't minister directly to people. They they don't take the time to find out how people are doing. They don't have spiritual conversations. They don't pray for people. Don't get me wrong. ministry support is very, very important. We receive ministry support by so many people in this church. We couldn't do what we need to do in this church without the selfless service of so many. We're very thankful for those who serve. However, does your service keep you from God and His Word? Does your service keep you from ministering to people? Does your service keep you from fellowship with God? Again, as you saw in the last passage, the, the service of others is important. But it must not distract us from our devotion to God. In fact, out of devotion for God. For some people, serving robs them of the time that they should be spending With God. And for others, serving becomes their focus, even to the the point of it becoming a counterfeit, works based religion. Does your work keep you from God? Does your work keep you from the Word of God? Deuteronomy 8 3 Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is quoted by Jesus when he faces the temptation from the devil in Matthew 4.4 4 and in Luke 4.4. 4. The word of God will direct you in the work of God. As Daryl Bach says, the service of the hand cannot supersede service with the ear since the ear guides the heart and the hand. Hearing God's word will lead to doing God's word in the life of the believer. Luke 8.21, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he, does, for he looks at himself and then goes away and forgets what he was like. James 1.22-24. So the point here is is not that you must never serve. The point here is that your service must be guided and directed from the Word of God. The point here is that that your your fellowship with God and your attention to His Word must take priority for all else in your life, over everything else. In fact, your fellowship with God and attendance to His Word must drive all else in your life. Finally, we see in verses 41 and 42, Jesus' direction. Jesus' direction. Luke shows us also Jesus' diagnosis of Martha's problem. Jesus begins by repeating her name, Martha, Martha. Jesus is loving her. Jesus is being compassionate with her, and he tells her that her distractedness, distractedness in serving is symptomatic of a deeper problem. Now, if you and I had been sitting in that house, we would have known that there's a deeper problem, too. Now, of course, you and I can't read hearts. Like Jesus, but the fact that that Mary got upset here reveals something. Now, if we had witnessed that situation, we would need to do prayerfully and and wisely and lovingly in our relationship with with Martha, ask her a series of questions to, to try to help Martha. But Jesus is able to get right to the heart of the matter. He begins, and notice again with love and compassion Martha, Martha you are anxious and troubled about many things. Martha is anxious and troubled, not just about serving, not just about her sister's failure to serve, not just about the Lord's failure to be concerned about these things, but many things beyond that. Martha's anxiety is deeper. It's a broader problem. And this situation became the occasion for it to come out. Like Jane often says, the, the circumstances of life are, are like the hot water that brings the flavor out of the tea bag of your heart. Nothing can make you angry. Nothing can make you anxious. But the situations of life expose the anger, expose the anxiety, and expose the other sinful attitudes that are already in there. And these strong negative emotions, then we need to see them as a a, a powerful diagnostic tool. They help us to see what's going on in our hearts. They, They reveal heart idols. Remember, an idol is anything that you put before God. The things that you will sin to get or sin if you don't get. Idols are are the things that you look for, for hope, and comfort, and peace, and security, and provision, and happiness, and so on, instead of God. And so when you get angry about something, that thing that you're angry about is an idol. You're seeking to protect it. If you get anxious about something, the thing that you're anxious about is an idol. It's something you're afraid of losing. We can get so distracted with what we feel we need to do that we forget what Jesus has done for us. We can get so distracted by what's what's going on around us that we forget that Jesus is still on the throne. Are you anxious and troubled by many things? 2020 has provided a wide array of things that you can get anxious about or things that you can get angry about. Some are anxious about COVID-19. Others are anxious about the government response to COVID-19. Some are anxious about social justice issues. Others are anxious about the cultural response to social justice issues. Some are anxious about Joe Biden becoming president. Some are anxious about, about Donald Trump staying president. Some are anxious about murder hornets. Some are anxious about the, the fact that murder hornets are, are a media conspiracy. Again, anxiety reveals idols in your heart. How much time do you spend thinking about these things? Do, what, what is it that distracts you? What distracts you? Here, J.C. Ryle, if we desire to grow in grace, And to enjoy soul prosperity, we must beware of the cares of this world. Except we watch and pray, they will insensibly eat up our spirituality and bring leanness on our souls. It seems so right to provide for our own. It seems so proper to attend to the duties of our station. It is just here that our danger lies. Our families, our business our daily callings, our household affairs, our interaction with society, all, all may become snares to our hearts, may draw us away from God. We may go down to the pit of hell from the very midst of lawful things. The cares of this world can easily become a distraction and draw you away from Christ, draw your attention away from Christ. They can easily make you forget who God is, and who you are before him. They can choke out the word of God and so make it unfruitful. Remember the parable of the sower in Luke 8, 14. The word can be choked out by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Now, if someone continues on that trajectory, does not repent, they're proving themselves to be an unbeliever. Thankfully, Martha had a tender shepherd, the good shepherd, the chief shepherd to care for our soul. Brothers and sisters, you also have a tender shepherd. You also have the good shepherd. You also have the chief shepherd to care for your soul. You have his word to guide you, to bring your your thinking back to what is most important, to bring your thinking back to him. Well, now in verse 42, Jesus gently corrects Martha. He says, One thing is necessary. You don't need to worry about all of those things. In fact, you don't need to worry about anything. In this moment, you only need to focus on one thing. Only one thing is necessary. Martha is concerned about many things. She should have been focused on one thing. One thing is necessary. And what is that one necessary thing? Food, clothing, health, security, success, freedom. These these are all good things. But none of them are necessary spiritually. None of them are essential to living a godly life. Many Christians throughout history have thrived without any of those things. Now, true, without some of them, these Christians did not live a very long life. But a long life isn't necessary either. One thing is necessary. What is that one thing? Like Paul says, I desire to know Christ and Him crucified. That's the one thing. Christ is the one thing. Attendance to Christ and his word is the one thing. Mary has chosen the good portion. She assumes the position of a disciple. Sitting at the master's feet, listening intently to his teaching. Sitting at the feet of the Lord to hear his word. That is necessary. That is essential. How much time do you spend thinking about the cares of the world? How much time do you spend thinking about Christ and the gospel? Do you filter your thoughts about the things of this world through your thoughts about the gospel? Do you intentionally make your anxious thoughts bring you to the gospel? Your anxious thoughts are meant to make you think about Jesus Christ. Hold on to the things of this world with a loose hand. Don't let anything distract you from what is most important. We certainly don't want to let the bad be the enemy of the best. But don't let the good be the enemy of the best either. See the danger in other things, in good things and bad things of distracting you from God. I had to consider this myself this week in light of the U.S. election. The, the possibility of, of corruption and election fraud concerns me. The erosion of morality concerns me. The possibility of more, of more rioting concerns me. The, the trajectory of Western politics concerns me. I have a large number of family and friends in the U.S. that I'm concerned for. And these things will very possibly have a spin-off effect in this country. Martha, troubled and anxious about many things. I had to remind myself that no matter who is elected, the sun will still rise tomorrow. And Jesus is more sure than the rising of the sun. No matter who is elected, Jesus Christ is still on the throne. He is still sovereign. Mary has chosen the good portion have you again from psalm 16:5 the lord is my chosen portion and my cup you hold my lot and verse 11 you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore or psalm 119:57 the lord is my portion i promise to keep your words do you see the connection between treasuring the lord and treasuring his word 1 Corinthians 3, 21-23, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Is Christ your portion? If Christ is your portion, then you are his possession. Remember the warning in Luke 8, 18. Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given. To the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Jesus Christ and his word are your portion. Whether you are hungry or naked or sick or threatening or failing or imprisoned, nothing can take that good portion away from you. And Jesus tells Martha that Mary has chosen the right portion. And that will not be taken away from her. Jesus is not going to tell Mary to get up and help Martha because it is Mary, not Martha, who is, has the right priority. Are you a Martha? Are you distracted with much, with much serving? Well, here are, are ten diagnostic questions to ask yourself to discover the Martha within. Here are some Martha tests. One, in the morning, you rush through Bible reading. Or don't do it at all because you, you need to get on with your day. Two. Throughout the day, you are so busy that you rarely, if ever, think about the fact that you dwell before the face of God. Three. Before you go to bed at night, you are, are too exhausted to spend time in prayer. Four. Four. You, you feel put out when, when people don't thank you or even notice the work you're doing. Five, you're more focused on what you feel you have to do than on what Jesus has done for you. Six, you are so focused on feeding your family that you t- don't take time to feed them spiritually or to feed others spiritually. Seven, you are keenly aware of what others are not doing or are not doing to your standard. Eight, you feel as though God loves you more when you do things for Jesus. Nine, you're more concerned about the past and the future than about what is going on right now. And ten, you're more concerned about what is going on out there than about what is going on in here and in here. Are you a Martha? I think the reality is to a certain extent all of us have at least a little Martha in us. Don't you want to be a Mary? Now of course we know that there are no perfect examples in the scriptures and we'll see in in, in, in Luke in John chapter 11 that, that, that Mary is not perfect either but, but in this particular instance Mary is is, we're told us, is, has chosen the right path. So, so are you a Mary? And I pray that all of us are, are Mary and are, are to, and are growing as Marys. Again, 10 things. A Mary sees these things, but sees them as temptations to be avoided. Two, a Mary chooses to see these things in the light of who the Lord is and who she is in the Lord. Three. A Mary is not distracted by external things, but focuses on eternal things. Colossians 3.1. For a Mary knows that she has been raised with Christ, so she seeks the things above. Colossians 3.2. A Mary knows that she has died and her life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3. 3. And Mary knows that, her, that Christ is her life and that when he appears, she will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. And Mary knows that her portion will, will be never taken from her, can never be taken from her, because nothing can separate her from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Romans eight thirty nine. And Mary knows that, that even trials will work out for her good and God's glory as God uses them to make her more like Jesus. Romans eight twenty eight and 29. And finally, a Mary knows that God is sovereign and that if God is for her, no one can be against her. Romans 8.31. Again, we all have a little Martha in us. But you can move from being like Martha to growing and being like Mary. Memorize these promises and preach them to yourself. I I drew most of those from from Colossians 3 and, and Romans 8, but these are all over the Bible. Memorize them. Preach them to yourself. Matthew chapter 6. Now the lights are on. You can turn there with me. Matthew chapter 6. Verses 25 to the end of the chapter. Don't be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat or, or what you'll drink or about your body or what you put on. Is, is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Jesus goes on to argue from the, the lesser to the greater, the, using the birds and the flowers and whatnot, and, and comparing them with, with the love that God has for you. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about the morrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day of its own tr- is the day of its own trouble. Meditate on that passage. If if you are prone to anxiety, memorize that. If you are are prone to anger, memorize, In James 2, the, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And when you feel that anger coming on, preach that to yourself. Preach it to yourself. Other promises in Scripture. Hebrews 13, 5, be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Or Ephesians 1.11, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Or 1 Corinthians 2.9, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now thankfully, Mary, sorry, Martha does not continue on that trajectory. Thankfully, Martha doesn't say Martha. In that sense. How can we get to, to John chapter 11, verse 17? Martha's going to make a very clear profession of faith and trust. It's, it's right up there in the scriptures with, with Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ in, in uh, Matthew 16, 9. John eleven seventeen, 17. Martha says, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, as Martha takes that truth and overlays it over her her fear and her anxiety, all those fears and anxieties dissolve away in the light of Christ. There's hope for Marthas. There's hope for Marthas like you and me in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for the way that you reveal yourself to us in your word. We praise you for the way that you reveal yourself to us in Jesus Christ. We praise you for all of your glorious attributes. Lord, we praise you for your holiness, for your justice, for your righteousness, for your faithfulness. Lord, for your grace, your peace, your mercy and your love. Lord, we praise you that we see all of these things in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to make Christ our greatest treasure so that we see the distractions of this world, whether good things or bad things, as temptations that we will hold on to you and that in the light of our relationship with you through the gospel, everything in our lives will take on a new hue that we will see clearly the reality of who you are through the gospel of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.